welcome to another episode of This Old Deck, a community old school podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Mark. And my name's Eric. Awesome. And this uh, podcast, we're here to talk about old school. Um, this, uh, this is a brand new podcast here. It's hosted by two members of ACOS. But uh, this podcast is going to have a little bit of a different format. Um, basically, we want to open this up to for this to be a true community podcast. Um, each episode will contain four or five segments, maybe 15, 20 minutes each. Each segment will have a different host and will be uh, about a different topic. Uh, the entire old school community is welcome to submit episodes or topics for, for each one of our episodes. Yes, and if you're interested in submitting an episode or segment to our podcast, uh, you can contact us at, at this old deck or at Eric Martin 242 on uh twitter and the eric is spelled with a c not a k and if you want to contact mark uh i am at supercobra82 on twitter and then on discord if somebody doesn't have twitter i am just supercobra yeah and i'm just eric martin on discord so <laughs> yeah we really want to make this a platform for anyone can upload any kind of content about old school that they want to and it could be i think the content is going to be very diverse it could be Maybe it's a deck tech, or maybe uh, you guys want to uh, talk about a, um, a meetup that's going on, or share stories about past events, or or even relationship advice, as you'll see in a future episode. Um, anything that you can somewhat connect to old school or the people around old school, please contact us. We would love to put it on the episode. All right. So, yeah, and for this first episode, we have Karen from the Desert Twisters uh, and Mark. The manager, the manager a, of the Twisters. <laughs> the manager of the Twisters uh, having a conversation, which is uh, the the, in, the beginning part's definitely the most interesting. I'll leave it up to that. Uh, and then Mark for our second segment. Uh, second segment is going to be an interview with the Hacks, the Carolina Hacks, with George, I should know as Round Corners. It's going to be this and the one with the Twisters is going to be a series that I'm going to be doing. It's I want to interview uh, every single old school club that's out there. And it's better kind of, uh, you know, better know your fellow old school clubs. Yep. And then last but not least, just because we're a four strip mine format uh, here in Texas, uh, we're going to talk about strip mines and what our thoughts are on one strip mine versus four strip mine. I think we're going to settle the, 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 the debate finally. This is going to be the, the definitive argument. We're going to settle Four strips versus one strip. You didn't clap at the same time, though. Yes, I did. <laughs> did you? Yeah. Oh, I totally heard it later. <laughs> okay, try it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, we're going to keep this. This is the first interview. Okay. All right. So this is the first episode of this old deck. I am here with the Karen, the manager of the Desert Twisters. Hi, Karen. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> so Can I we, speak to your supervisor? We've been supervisor? friends for a while. <laughs> 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 so, Karen, I wanted, uh, wanted to bring you on so you can talk about your super awesome old school club, the Desert Twisters. Um, before we kind of go into that, can you tell us just uh, you know a little bit more about yourself for those who don't know you? Sure. Um, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, my name is Karen. Uh, I play old school. I'm now starting to get into Alpha 40. 
but not really by choice. That's uh, because Charlie wants to, or <laughs> Marty wants to play Alpha 40 a lot. So I'm kind of... I thought his name was George. What's that? Is it, is it Marty? I thought his name was George. Is it Marty? Uh, oh, it yeah, it's Charlie? Marty. Marty, maybe, okay. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I like to play old school. Uh, in my day job, I'm an accountant for uh, a cybersecurity company. And uh, in my free time when I'm not playing Magic, I like to uh, do woodworking and carving and weird stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got a dog. And so Karen, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Timing is perfect. Yeah. You, you have a dog, but you also have a very awesome cat. So tell yeah. us about Rake. Uh, so the cat's name is Rhaegar, uh, like Rhaegar Targaryen from Game of Thrones. And he and I met uh, probably June of last year. He was a stray that was uh, kind of wandering around my neighborhood. And I saw him a few times while I was walking my dog. Uh, and it, it was maybe a couple weeks after I, saw, I started seeing him around the neighborhood. I was like, all right, Rose, that's my dog. Uh, we're going to go inside. And I'm going to try to befriend this cat. So I put her inside. I come back out and he immediately just like flops over and shows me his belly for loving. And I'm just like, oh my God. So I petted him and I was like, all right, you're pretty cool, but I'm going to go back home now. And then he started following me. And that's when I was like, are you mine now? And the rest is history. I brought him home and he's just been here ever since. And he's That's the best. awesome. He is the best. <laughs> I think I did an altar of him on the Savannah Alliance, didn't I? Yeah, I still have that <laughs> next to my bed, actually. <laughs> Sometimes I'll pick it up and I'm just like, oh, it's Rag. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you you uh, you were definitely part of. You did some magic stuff before old school. You want to tell did. us about the the dark times? <laughs> oh yeah, dark times they were. Uh, so I started out playing Legacy. That was my first format that I was uh, ever introduced to in in Magic. Um, aside from like random casual table, like kitchen table Magic, uh, that played brand new cards, which was awful. Uh, but yeah, I played I played Legacy for about I don't know four or five years or something. I was never super competitive, uh, and I only played in like two actual tournaments first one was the very first time i played magic outside of my own house and i ended up making like top 16 out of uh i think 65 people were in the were in the event so people already were just like who is this chick who came out of nowhere and you know plays top 16 at this crazy legacy event and then I didn't play again outside for like two years. So I was just like very intimidated by everything. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, so I started playing a lot more after after like a year or two of like going back into hiding. Uh, and I made some friends and they kind of introduced me to old school. We started kind of playing casually at the LGS by my house. Um, and right around the time I started dabbling in old school, that's when I met Justin and Kira, who were wanting to kind of make an old school group already. So we had one meetup, and then we decided that we were going to like form an old school club. And that's kind of how the Desert Twister started. 
That's awesome. Yeah. So you guys mainly mainly around the Phoenix area then, or? Yeah. So we uh, most of our membership is in the Phoenix area, like the the greater Phoenix Valley. Um, but we have a couple people down in Tucson that come up to play occasionally, and um, and Justin Kira have gone down there also to to meet up with people. Uh, and then we have a couple of people up in Flagstaff that that come down mm-hmm. for events every once in a while too. So that's pretty cool. One of the guys from, awesome. from Flagstaff was at the Vegas event last year, but I didn't know that he was from Flagstaff at the time. We later found out that we were from the same state, and then he joined in. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, at that same Vegas event, it was the the official event. I actually met a guy who was, uh, I think, from Ohio, I forget, but he was actually moving back to Austin. And oh, so really? then, uh, yeah, yeah. So he got a hold of me, kind of, you know, through the grapevine. Mm-hmm. I was asking, kind of, like how the how the Austin scene is, and getting all the good info. Cool. Is he part of your group now? Well, he's part of the Austin group, but we do see him all the time because oh, they're only an hour it. and a half. Okay. So yeah, yeah. We definitely go to go go to each other's events. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So uh, we know you a little bit more now. We've heard of Justin and Kira. So can who are the other members? Maybe. Some stories about them or some stories about Justin and Kira? Yeah. So um, it's not just me, Justin and Kira, that, that started the Desert Twisters. We had two other founding members, Mike Griffin and um, Joseph Horan. They they were like the OG guys that got me into old school. And they, they helped form the Desert Twisters group. Uh, but we have some other people like PJ... And uh, Justin Waddy, we call him Big Justin because we have like four different Justins in our group, so we have to distinguish them somehow. <laughs> He's like the... so. So, so you have Big Justin. Do you have like a medium Justin? We do. do. Like small Justin. Yeah. So, really? so yeah, there there are three Justins that that are regulars that that hang out in in the group. Um, the main Justin, Justin Coffee. Um, big Justin is Justin Waddy, and then the the medium Justin. He he, I don't know exactly where he lives, but he owns a flooring company that's literally less than a mile from my house. So we're we're kind of neighbors, but kind of not. Um, but they call themselves the the Tris Justinos, and they have like a sticker and everything. It's fucking hilarious. What, they, they have a sticker. Yeah. <laughs> It's, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's them, like, dressed up uh, in, like, those Mexican straw hats and uh, ponchos. Yeah. Just, like, doing gangster poses. <laughs> it, looks, oh, gosh. it looks super ridiculous. I'll have to send you a picture of it. <laughs> yes, yes, please. And I will put it in the, in the, in the, the details of this. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's, there's the three Justins. Joseph Horan, Mike Griffin, um, PJ. PJ's been playing Magic forever. Like he plays pretty much every format that there is. Um, but he'll he'll come and play old school with us a, a lot of the time. But you know he has a wife and kids and stuff, so his free time is a little bit more limited than the rest of ours. Um, PJ has the ponytail, right? Um, yeah, yeah. He, he has longer hair, like. <laughs> super buff but like kind of an older dude he looks like he's in a fucking heavy metal but he's the nicest guy in the whole world <laughs> have you yeah, met him? i met him in vegas super yeah. Cool dude. yeah yeah he was at in in vegas yeah he's super he's super awesome 
um, uh, a newer member, JJ, he, I think he joined over the summer while me and Charlie were in Michigan. So I didn't really get to hang out with him when he first started hanging out and stuff. But since we've been back, we've, uh, we've gotten a chance to get to know each other. And he's like the purest human being you'll ever meet. He's like, just so happy all the time. It's great. <laughs> I love it. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I know you guys, uh, well, is there anybody more that you wanted to talk about? Um, I guess Angelo is, is another, oh. is another guy that, that also joined relatively recent, uh, while Charlie and I were out of state over the summer. Uh, but he's, he shows up to almost every meetup that, that we have. So he's like, he's like a mainstay now. He's super cool too. That's awesome. Yeah. Sounds like a, a like a, a whole bunch of super cool people. Oh Yeah. So I know you guys have a lot of hangouts and you guys do some kind of unique um, get-togethers. So you want to tell us a little bit um, what the Twisters do when you guys get together? Yeah, so we don't really have like super formal meetups anymore. We tried doing that and like scheduling them ahead of time, but a a lot of the time it would just end up not working out for a lot of people and then they wouldn't get to come to meetups when when they happened and then they would have to wait until the next event and stuff so we started just kind of like meeting up with whoever is available when they're available so a lot of the time uh some of the desert twisters members will just like go and get tacos at a taco place or like hang out at justin and kira's house or come over to my house like we did just recently so like we end up hanging out several times a week but it's like always a rotating cast of of members so it's like super casual not too like structured or formal or anything Uh, and we just like hang out it's awesome that's awesome i've also seen some um some pictures or some videos from uh, movie night over at Justin and Curious. Can, can you tell us about that? Yeah. Uh, I think that mostly started right before Charlie and I went out to Michigan for the summer. Um, we did we did a movie night shortly after the pandemic started. Like, I think it was two months after, after it started. So, like, maybe in at the end of May is when we started doing movie nights. But um, Justin would set up uh, my projector uh, to be projecting onto his van and we like would hook up uh, a speaker to it and just like do movie nights outside and get wasted and occasionally, occasionally play magic. <laughs> so like, just Remember. like, Kira, Kira and then they offered to, to pick me up from the airport in San Francisco one time. And her warning was, just so you know, the van is a little rapey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they do it. They, like, they prefer to sleep in their van than, than they do in hotel rooms. Like, they must have it set up in a way that that's super comfortable for them. But I I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's a little bit outside of my gotta, comfort zone. I got to peek into it one time. And it's like a full bedroom with, you know, like like wooden shelves and there's a bed in there oh, and there's shit. storage under the bed. All yeah, right. no, it's nice. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I haven't even gotten a chance to look inside it. I've only looked at the side of it while we're watching movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when when we were at Chalice, they preferred to to sleep in the van than than in the rooms at the 
at the lodge. So, I mean. Well, there, there were that. probably some other factors there, too. But, uh, so, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> In the summer, you guys also had multiple pool parties, didn't you? Uh, oh, yeah. That's at Rob Faba's house. So, Rob is, is another uh, Desert Twister. Yeah, number. you didn't mention Rob. He's the, he's the marathon runner, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's been around since the beginning of the group, also. I, met, I originally met him uh, playing Legacy, and he just like doesn't really like the super competitive side of magic. He would prefer to just hang out and like be friends with people and have conversations with them. So he got into old school that way. Same as me. Um, and, and him and his, uh, fiance, they're about to get married, Janelle. Um, they have people over sometimes to have like pool parties and they have like a pool table at their house and, um, Janelle has a stripper pole, <laughs> so <laughs> it can get a little wild. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. So he, he'll have people over sometimes, uh, but he has kids. So the, the times that we're, that we get a chance to, to do stuff like that, um, has to kind of line up with, with when he's available. Sure. Sure. Of course. Yeah. So I know you guys have tons of hangouts, and I know that you guys are a fairly active traveling group, too. So are there any uh, any fun stories that you feel like sharing from either local Twisters events or maybe, you know, when the when the group goes traveling to something bigger? Um, well, so Justin and Kira are the ones that, that do most of the traveling. Um, Charlie is like an honorary Twister uh, member, but he likes to... He well, was... to be fair, Charlie is an honorary member of half the old school clubs. Exactly. Yeah. He, he <laughs> considers himself a, a pit lord. Um, but most old school groups in the country claim him in some way or another. <laughs> um, but yeah, he. he if he ever sets foot in San Antonio, we'll claim him too. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, he was in, uh, in Texas for like a half second. Before he yeah yeah he was, uh, he was up in Austin I I actually met up with him at the players ball and he was trying to uh, get some info from me about the lay of the land up in Austin yeah yeah that ended up not working out and he ended up coming out to to Arizona <clears throat> and that's the like that that sequence of events is how me and him met originally like shit didn't work out in in Austin. So he came out to Arizona because he had worked out here before, and then he came to one of the Desert Twisters meetups, and uh, that's how he and I met, which is weird. <laughs> uh, but back to the the story, like the weird stories or whatever about occasional meetups, um, I guess the, the most prominent one that I can remember recently is when Justin, Kira, and like a few other people were over at my house for, for a meetup recently. Uh, we ended up sharing stories about our, how our friends make really terrible dating decisions. Uh, and one of Justin's friends ended up going on, on a date with this girl. Like, I think he met her off of Tinder or something. Um, there ended up not being any chemistry between them. But a few months later, he gets a call from her. And, and she's like, hey, so I've been having, like, weird mouth issues Um are you experiencing any weird symptoms? And he's like, uh, no, what the fuck are you talking about? So come to find out she had later gone on a date with this guy made out with him or whatever. Um, and then a few weeks later, 
he ended up being arrested because he was a serial killer and a cannibal. So, like, she made out with this dude and got, like, some weird mouth disease or something. And Justin is like, bro, what does that say about you that this chick chose a cannibal instead of you? <laughs> it's like, oh, no. That sucks, dude. Um, and I happened to, to be friends with this girl that, uh, that also was dating this guy for, like, ever. But he ended up getting arrested um, for... A murder that he committed like 10 years prior and i'm just like man you sure know how to pick them that's so crazy but it ended up working out because so, now she's dating a doctor so it's all good <laughs> so arizona sounds pretty wild so far yeah it, it is the wild west <laughs> it's crazy yeah it's really I was really looking forward to going out to your gunslinger uh, event and i can't wait to go once it gets Rescheduled? I know. Yeah, that was supposed uh, to happen on my birthday this this year in April. Uh, but you know, you know what happened <laughs> with the whole world going down in flames. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that's gonna be a super fun event because uh, so we made up a whole new rule set. Um, essentially, it's called uh, well, the, you have like an overseer called the sheriff, and he. He kind of sets the rules for for having um, like burn spells and and spells that target uh, permanents and destroy them. They you end up consider playing them as if they were chaos orbs, and then you gain points for each time that that you land a flip using those cards. And um, the person with the most flips end up getting some prize or whatever at the at the end of the the tournament so when it when it ends up happening it's going to be awesome so it sounds like a wild west themed plane chase cards exactly it gives you bullet counters yeah, yeah. It sounds great so I, I i i'm i'm thinking probably everyone's deck is going to be what you know bolts and chains and i don't know falling stars count falling stars it's going to be pretty wild yeah yeah disenchant counts um what else like crumble crumble would count anything that that targets a permanent is is but it has to taken. be a spell right so i can't cast a try can kill three things um well actually i think uh you can you can is it abilities also yeah so the the ability from from the triskelion if if you're gonna shoot a, a creature to kill it with the with the counters um you would have to do a flip and if you make the flip, the the target is destroyed, and then you get the bullet counters. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, and that I, sounds that sounds great. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be fun, but the world needs to just go back to normal first. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's definitely some priorities, right? But that's, yeah. it's good to have something to look forward to. Yeah. So, uh, um, before before we kind of wrap up, is there anything else that you'd like to share with everybody about? The Desert Twisters? Um, well, we are awesome. We're relatively new. Uh, <laughs> we've been around for just like a year and a half now. So not like a super long time, but um, our, our membership has grown a lot in the, in the past year. Like people keep finding out about us and then wanting to like get into old school, which is super cool. Um, so if anybody in the Phoenix area or just like the general Arizona 
area wants to check us out, we're on Facebook. Um, oh no, I gotta like, I gotta look up what the official name is of our group on here. Hang on. This is not good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that probably if you search for for Desert Twisters Old School Magic, I think you're probably going to find it, right? Yeah, yeah. so it's Desert Twisters-Arizona Old School MTG on Facebook. Um, and then we're also at Desert underscore Twisters on Instagram. And mm-hmm. Justin and Kira have their own accounts also, um, which are just their names, <laughs> Justin Coffey and Kira Sekdalen. And then you guys have a, uh, a team Twitter account too, right? I think it's just Desert Twisters. Yeah, I th- I think it's at Desert Twisters. I don't think there's an underscore in in that one. Um, I'm not really on Twitter anymore, so I don't I don't really keep up with that one that much. <laughs> well, is there any social media that you're on that you want to uh, share with everybody, or some social media from other club members that you uh, want to share? Yeah, so I'm I'm on Instagram also. I'm at Lanawar Elf, but it's Lanawar dot dot f. Um, else is on instagram some of our friends from uh vegas are on instagram uh like underscore casting craft um they're they're of close uh desert twisters affiliate and friend um he posts a lot about uh beer and different cocktails and stuff so it's pretty cool what about big so is he on instagram as well um, I think he does have an Instagram account, but he only has one picture up from <laughs> okay. 19, so he's not super active. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I guess not. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Well, awesome. That's us. Yeah, the timey thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Karen, th- thank you. Thank you very much. For, for joining me. This is the first interview I've done for this new podcast. Thanks for having so me. So thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. So uh, thanks again to Karen, the manager of the Desert Twisters. <laughs> thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> See ya. So on this episode of uh, Better Know Your OS Club, we're going to talk about the hacks with George, better known as either Round Quarters, was it Round Quarters 40 or Seabiscuit? So, so George, thanks for joining me. Oh, hi. Nice to talk to you again, Mark. Yeah. Well, me and George have been buddies for a while. We kind of actually found Old School about the same time. Uh, we were on Twitter being very obnoxious for a, quite a while. And then we discovered the Old School uh, Discord together. So, George, you want to uh, tell us a little something uh, something about yourself and maybe your, your magic background pre-old school in the, the dark days? Oh, yeah. So, uh, hi, Mar- again, Mark, like we already met. <laughs> um, I live in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I'm closing in on my 40s, like a lot of old school players here um, coming up pretty soon. Um, I'm originally from uh, Sacramento, California, and I was born and spent much of my early years in Berlin, Germany. Um, as a military brat, um, I started off in a very nerdy neighborhood full of kids and we played everything from, uh, Jihad to magic riffs. Uh, magic was just one of the games that we played, uh, collectively as a group. Um, nobody ever knew any of the rules. 
Um, nobody uh, really cared about rarity or value. Um, I think a Black Lotus in 94, when we were looking at it, was like $75. <laughs> and that was like, that might as well have been a million dollars to a 10-year-old. Um, but, I, you know, I played a ton of Magic with white-bordered cards on sidewalks. Not caring about the stack or, uh, you know, just basic functions of the rules. And if a card was too complicated, we would just make up the rules that went along with it. Um, I have very clear memories of doing things like trading for a safe haven from the dark with a with another neighborhood kid and just having no idea how it worked. I just thought it was cool and I'd never seen one before. Um, so, yeah, I... I I've been playing and kind of like magic's been in my orbit um, since really my childhood. Um, and it's come and go, you know, come and gone um, throughout my life. Um, and about uh, 2015, 16, I started getting back into magic a little, uh, tried to not so casual. Um, about 2007, 8, I had a, uh, a pretty large trade binder stolen out of my backpack in Connecticut. And it really really ruined it for me and it had a ton of stuff i had since my childhood and someone had just lifted it right it out right out of my backpack um so it just it really bummed me out and it took me a long time to kind of get back into it and when i finally did get back and in, back into it uh i did kind of like the format um round robin kind of playing whatever i can get my hands on an f and m um, I really enjoyed playing FNM like when I lived in the Northeast, uh, whether it was Long Island, New York or Connecticut or Rhode Island or Massachusetts. I really liked the scene up there. Um, I haven't really enjoyed the scene down here in Florida and that's kind of like what pushed me in the direction of old school. Uh, I just started buying uh, cards like that were cheap that I just were interesting to me. Yeah, silly things like script sprite, you know, beta script sprites for a buck or whatever. And uh, so I kind of amassed a good collection of cards, but I didn't, I didn't like splurge on any of the good cards. So I have this really good collection of <laughs> playable bad cards and not any of like the staples, which I've kind of like had to work my way into it for the last few years. So did you hear about old school and that's why you started kind of collecting these, these, uh, playables or did you just want to collect the cards from the childhood? Kind of? It was kind of both. I think I saw the Swedes, um, or the Scandinavian, uh, blog post, but I wasn't really making any kind of association with who it was or what the format was. I just, I was just really fascinated at this idea that there were adults playing magic, uh, in a nostalgic way. Um, and that meant a lot to me. Um, I think what magic has evolved to be from its earlier days is significantly different. And I think sometimes when people look at magic, it's hard for them to, that they don't do a very good job of like understanding the context of mm -hmm. what magic came from and where, and what it's become. And it's like magic is just, and culture itself, uh, has changed so dramatically just in the last 10 years. Um, you know, I magic was really a boys club for a long time now. And I, and I don't mean that like uh, girls were, or women weren't welcome. It's just, they, they just, there was no interest there. Maybe uh, it was too from niche. My experience where there wasn't a lot of trade off or a, a, a lot of, 
Yeah, you know, like I used to go into um, comic book shops where in the early 90s, comic book shops weren't the cool place to hang out. And you'd go out there and, uh, you know, I, and you'd buy packs. Well, I mean, it still it still isn't, but. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But it, I, but like the whole esports dynamic and everything's really changed the, oh, yeah. uh, the view of it. And I think Wizards of the Coast is trying really hard to make it. A, a main or well, maybe Hasbro, maybe not Wizards of the Coast is trying really hard to make it like a mainstream property. Um, but you know, and I, what bums me out about that is I really feel like Magic is kind of missing what made it so good for kids uh, at that time. Um, I remember when a, a a starter of Unlimited was like eighteen bucks, maybe like or sixteen ninety five or seventeen ninety five, like that, and just thinking that was ridiculous. Like, that was too expensive. Like, yeah, granted, you'll get some cool cards out of it, but I can leave the card shop with mm-hmm. eight bucks with a pile of Fallen Empires cards. Um, <laughs> and it didn't matter because we didn't really play the game the way it was supposed to anyways. And that kind of went into other things, too, like Chronicles. You know, people look back on it and go, oh, Chronicles was crap. You know, it was garbage cards, reprinted. Yeah. Nobody wants those white border cards. You know, there's a lot of players that are playing old school now because they could only afford 4th Edition and Chronicles and Fallen Empires in the dark. Um, Especially with Magic's... uh, And I've had this conversation with people, too, that weren't around at the time. There was a legitimate um, regional scarcities for cards. And so, so, like, I had heard of Jazam... But I didn't see one until I was well into adulthood. I've heard people, you know, talk about, oh, there's this giant black creature from Arabian Nights. But Arabian Nights was just something I did not see growing up. I saw lots of dark. I'd see a little bit of legends and antiquities. Um, I remember having a friend when I was like maybe 11 or 12 years old explain right, to me right. Colossus of Sardia. And it just blew my mind that that exists when you're playing with like Elvish Farmer from Fallen Empires, you know. And, uh, it was just, uh, I, I wish magic would kind of move in that direction. Like I understand the core set should be doing that, but I would love if magic just would print, um, a white border set at two bucks a pack that kids could sit down and play and understand and get into, um, maybe that, maybe that, so, uh, so we need portal, portal three, <laughs> you know, maybe that market doesn't exist. Hey, I st- I don't know, but I, you know, my first cards are portal cards. Oh yeah, uh, people gave sure. me their portal cards or whatever. So I had this red blue portal deck or whatever. So it sounds like like old school really appeals for for the nostalgia, which is kind of the point of it, which kind of gets all of us. And uh, so let's let's talk about the. Are, are you ready to talk about the hacks? Yeah, I can talk about the hacks. I can kind of talk in a, to my gateway to in that direction. Um, I guess one of the things I've really loved and appreciated about old school really is how the old school clubs are very mm-hmm. distinctive from each other. There's not a whole lot of homogenization between it. And I joke about this all the time. Like you go to a hacks group in the, in the Southeastern United States and we're like, we're eating chili and doing a barbecue. We're playing with proxies. We're drinking, uh, out of Mason jars you know, and we're the ugliest people, ugliest club, you know, out there. Uh, I went up there for the first time when I, at Grand Prix, New Jersey, when I met, um, Paul De Silva, 
And there was a gentleman there wearing leather loafers and drinking white wine at the old school event. Shout know? out the sisters. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, and, uh, don't get me wrong. That was great. They're great. But well, just, however. Yeah. yeah totally different. Yeah. I yeah. could see that regional difference. You know, when I, uh, when I did my tour of the West coast last year and I went um, across every club to me along my pathway to the West coast, was exactly the way I imagined it. Like the the guys out there, the Desert Twisters and Phoenix, they were exactly how I imagined the Phoenix people would be. They're all like <laughs> ultra attractive and hip, you know, kind of like techie, kind of young, you know, and that's like how I think of Phoenix. Um, you know, the San Diego and LA guys, you know, they have a little more money. Uh, they they had they have you know, the Brian Urbanos, they got the, the, the banging collections and stuff, but still super rad laid back dudes, mm -hmm. but a little more mature, you know, a little, uh, slightly older. A lot of the dudes are, um, and in the entertainment industry, of course. And, uh, you know, you go up to Seattle and everyone was angry and, you know, and a little gray, you know, it was exactly how you imagine the Pacific Northwest. Uh, you know, so it, it was, and even the Lord of the Pits, I lived in Waukegan, Illinois for a couple years. So like those dudes, um, oh, maybe I need to silence my phone here. Mm -hmm. Those dudes up there in, in Chicago with Lords of the Pit, they're exactly what you would think of the, of like what Midwest people are going to, you know, look and sound like. And it's, uh, it's awesome, man. I really love that. It, Cause I, I think what's going to keep old school alive and going past kind of like where it's, you know, with, with being solved formats and not just solved formats, but here, let me, and not just being solved formats, but like it's mm -hmm. reached a, ma a maturity point that I've had to explain to guys. Um, cause in, in like new England, they've been playing pretty hardcore for a few years now and that's giving everybody a chance to acquire all the cards. This isn't like a format that very many people can just, you know, jump feet first into, mm -hmm. you know, like they have to kind of warm up to it. And, uh, everyone in new England has had that opportunity. So that when you go out there, you expect those guys to be competitive and have all the cards. So it's kind of nice to see that like regionally where like, uh, you know, down here in the Southeast, there's not a whole, you know, the, the magic isn't as hot and competitive and, and the old mm -hmm. school scene hasn't really matured where people are like, oh yeah, well I, I already had all my CE moxes, you know, when they were a hundred bucks a piece or whatever. Cause even then a couple years yes. ago, the hundred bucks was still a lot of money for a lot of us. So it's been nice to kind of like, but I, I absolutely what love it, man. Everyone has been super awesome. Um, I enjoy, uh, being around adults. That's kind of like, um, been a big problem with my experience in magic. Um, it seems like a lot of younger magic. You don't players. like hanging out with uh, 16 year old modern grinders. That's not, that's not your scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the, you know, I say this all the time. I say this and I think a lot of parents can feel the same way, but I feel like my kids are the coolest people I know. So when I go to an event and that's a Friday night and I'm playing against some unwashed modern storm player and, uh, I'm looking at him and I'm like, you know, I'm sure you're a nice dude, man, but I could be at home watching commando with my kids, you know? Yeah. So like, it's really hard as you get older to kind of like, mm -hmm. when you start having to draw that line 
And uh, so old school's nice, man. I know that whenever I go to an old school event, I'm going to have a great time. Uh, I'm going to see people I absolutely love and adore. Uh, whether, you know, dude, I, I would never expect that I would have like met and fell in love with Brian Urbano last year, <laughs> yes. you know, but he's just the nice, just the nicest dude. You know, I not, yep. not the biggest online presence, but just, just an all around, just yes. rad dude. Um, awesome old school deck builder and player. And to be able to have that connection with someone on the West coast or know the people in new England, it's just, it's really awesome, man. I, and I, I'm really looking forward to like, uh, I mm-hmm. going diving back into it in a post COVID world where we can travel to like Texas and, um, old school players. Well, you know, uh, last year was, we dive right into events here. Um, our hacks, our club, we've been trying really hard to schedule, uh, what we call hacksmiths. Well, well, so before you talk about the event, let's talk a little bit more about who the hacks oh, are. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a group that was started out of uh, uh, players out of South Carolina and North Carolina, primarily Eternal players, so like um, Paper Legacy dudes. And they are all kind of like um, people that all generally knew each other from like between Charlotte and Chapel Hill and uh, Columbia, South Carolina. And one of the stores in South Carolina was owned by a gentleman that was also a player. And he started hosting um, quarterly events a few years ago. Um, So because it was his store that he could cook, he could allow old schoolers to drink. Um, With with it, they were able to combine all the charity and stuff with it. So it was really, um, for the people that were already out there in that area, it was already the hometown old school event. And because they allowed proxies, it allowed people yeah, to show up to the format and have fun. Um, I live about four hours from Columbia, South Carolina. So I'd make the drive up and um, I would hang out and drink with those guys and have a great time. And, you know, at, people were pr- people sure. generally proxy decks, but they you, people aren't proxying the deck. People yeah. would, you know, oh, I proxied White Weenie and I put Charizards in it. You know, it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. I can understand that. You know, that uh, I know some of the other hacks maybe have different experiences with that. But I, I've i always thought it was great. It's a great way for people to get mm-hmm. um, their, their foot in the door. Brian talks a lot about format tourists on his podcast. And I, I really strongly believe in his kind of ethos behind that or you know when so, if someone shows up and they're proxying a chaos orb you kind of know that they're they're on the outside and that's kind of a good thing i think i think that like there's a certain level of gatekeeping that we can do within the community to kind of make sure that it stays adults however we're still welcoming we want all everyone to play I, I think instead of gatekeeping, I think we need to frame it more as coaching. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. Because old school is really unique because we're – it's it's uh, it's not really a magic format at, at this point. It's – it's I, I, I hate to use it because it's cheesy, but it, it's it's a lifestyle right? more than a format in my opinion. Oh, yes, absolutely. It's about basically treating everyone with, with, with respect. It's just we have this – the shared hobby, the shared language. When you go to an event, uh, because everyone – for the most part, it, it's basically word of mouth. You get invited, and because you're 
you're vouching for somebody. So, you know, if they're misbehaving, then it looks bad on you. So you have a lot of trust when you go to, to these events and you can almost kind of guarantee that they're all your best friends. You just haven't met them all yet. And I think, so, so, so oh, I think, yeah, I, I, I think sure. what you mean by for gatekeeping sure, yeah. is the, um, it, it would be nice that if this, if the, if the people that want to join old school, I think that if they spend enough time with old schoolers, and usually that goes by, you know, having to save up and buy the cards, so then you're around this this community more. That way, you kind of understand the philosophy. Yes. And um, if you have somebody who comes from somewhere uh, outside, and maybe it's a grinder from another format, they're expecting that it's another magic format, mm-hmm. and they're there to win. They're not there to be friendly. They're not all of these things. And because um, the tourist part, because they have such limited exposure with the old school culture. They just never get the time to kind of understand what's going on and be part of the joke, you know, the joke that we all share. And, and, and I think that's exactly what you're meaning, right? Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah, like I don't mean that in an exclusionary way. Mm-hmm. I just mean like I I think what everyone has, um, has, has developed here in this community is, is worth protecting, right? Like it's worth like saying like uh, – you know, we play this game and we're all friends across the country and, and planet. Um, but, and what we do is important to us and yes. we're, we want to keep it special, you know? And, uh, if he comes down to turns and you snipe somebody who's a tourist with, <laughs> when you go to flips, you know, then that's, that's the way it rolls. And I think there's benefits, but, uh, mm-hmm. And I, and I, I would welcome to everyone to come to our events. I think that's awesome, especially, and I think that's why I'm a proponent for proxies. I think about it all the time. I look at some of my early deck pictures and go like, oh, okay. You know, I just showed up with a pile of revised cards and some proxy power and I played and now I look at my collection now and go, okay, like, wow, I've come a long way. And I, I've, I feel like I've, uh. You know, I've worked, I've worked towards this goal and I, I, I really feel like myself and the other hacks and the younger hacks that mm-hmm. we have, um, are, are, are a couple of dudes that we just brought into the club full time, I guess, uh, you know, to really understand that, that, you know, we're not, um, we're, we're all friends first, you know, that's really important to us. So I, I think old school created these friendships among us, you know? Like you, me, Rich, Jamie, all of, you know, everybody, Brian, you know, and I think that it has nothing to do with the game anymore. I think that if we stop playing the game, we like either we don't do anything or we become like we start like a connect four league. I don't think anything changes, you know, <laughs> you, know <what> I mean? <laughs> you know, that's why I have to beat yeah. your ass with pogs, right? <laughs> exactly. So, so the hacks, we got some yeah, people, yeah. you, you want to, so, um, uh, you want to tell us more about some of the other hack members? Maybe people that n- not not everybody knows. A little, maybe a little anecdote about them, you know? Yeah, yeah. We have the hack father. He's kind of our leader. Um, he's not, a, you know, a number one speller or reader. But he's a learned man. Oh, super passionate about vintage and legacy. Yeah. Um, huge brainstorm player. He just loves Delver. Um, you know, he just loves flipping that. He just, he just loves blue cards on the stack. It's just his jam. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude. Uh, we have, uh, Rich Spoonman. Yeah. Um, he's kind of like our, he's kind of the thoughtful one for us that tells us to shut up when we need to shut up. 
Um, we have Kingslayer Eric. He's probably the most attractive and best match. Really nice kind of goatee, kind of soul patchy um, thing going on too. Yeah, dude. And it, it turns out he was hiding a brother from us that we didn't know about that was just <laughs> like him in the future, who also likes to play magic. Um, we have PB, uh, Josh, one of our new, our, our younger guys. We have, uh, mm-hmm. Walker, one of our new guys. We have Dr. Bill. Um, I, there's a, it's a really, a, you actually a have one dude in Australia group too. Of dudes that have all come together and for this game. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. George, he's over in, um, Australia as well. And hopefully we'll bring him back. <laughs> like to have you back, George. Um, he was at SCG con and ran our event there, um, a couple years ago. Um, yeah, yeah, Matt, uh, turn and burn. Uh, we got Patsy. We got, uh, Rusty. Really? That's awesome. Um, he, I think he's working on his PhD in trombone. Performance something. Uh, uh, what's that called? Playing, not playing it. It's like performance. Yeah, performance. He has PhD in trombone performance, and I think Jamie's just about yes. there in guitar. They just, I mean, like literally our new two newest hacks this year, like couldn't have been farther yes. in the spectrum. Like one is literally a nuclear engineer, and the other one's a manager of like Taco Bell. And I just think they're like both equally as awesome dudes uh, who who just love playing Magic and want to hang out with us. Um, I, I guess that's like one of the number one rule. You got to hang out with us. <laughs> you got to like hanging out with us. Yeah. So, so we got a bunch of cool people here. So what does, what, what does a hacks like get together looks like now? You guys are very active online as far as having online events and having F and M. Yes. But so what does a, what does a, what does a hacks F and M look like? Um, and then what does like an in-person hacks event? Well, the hacks, we really, or at least in my opinion, we really are kind of like a sister club to the Tusks, which is an older group of players from Atlanta. Yeah. Um, hacks are like firmly into the, uh, one of the schools of magic, which is named after him, the Sean O'Brien School of Magic. Um, so a lot which of Which as, a, are, as yeah. a strip mine enthusiast, I can fully appreciate. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and not just strip mine enthusiasts. We're very clearly in the four strip mine world. Uh, you can say that. Um, I'm in the 75 world already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 75. You know, uh, so we do, we just pick random uh, formats that are really could just be anything. And a lot of it is, uh, was because of the COVID world we live in now. Um, but we just did Popper a few weeks ago and we had fun with that. Um, Dr. Bill just destroyed us. Um, we've done Aussie Highlander, seven point Highlander. Uh, we've done vintage unleashed. Um, we've done extended, uh, legacy yep. legacy. Was it six one six or six legacy six Oh six, which was a, um, Tusk invented format where it was legacy as of June, 2006, um, with the ban list from then. Uh, we also, um, old school, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just we, we like uh, playing online and getting beat by tusks in different formats. Mm-hmm. It's been great. I've seen um, it. Can confirm. Really, we uh we had our Christmas event last year, Hacksmith, and we it was just an incredible, awesome time. It's very rare for any of us, you know, as adults, to walk into a room and go, 
dude, I love every single person in this packed house. And I think everyone is awesome. And I'm so happy to see everyone here. And that's what Hacksmith was for us. So it was three days of planned events where, you know, one person would plan breakfast and one person would do dinner. Um, and then other people, it, you know, they'd break up the TOing of events, what our main events were, how we'd do prizes. It was all held in a private residence, so we could all just kind of let loose. Um, I, it's so hard to explain to people, like, what it's like to play Magic with ju in a big event. Not just like a few people playing Commander, but having 30 people or 25 people in a house mm -hmm. to play a, a really competitive event. But just relaxed, man. You don't have to worry about your cards walking out the door. You can have a few drinks. You can stop and eat, man. You can tell your opponent, like, hey, I'm going to stop. I'm going to have a cigarette real quick out back. Just wait for me. Um, and it's just it's just awesome, man. And uh, we had kind of like... <laughs> Uh, Hackfather with our master of ceremonies, you know, during the, doing the burning of the Delvers and the brainstorms to kick everything off. You know, uh, we had a lot of plan. If you've seen these photos, the, these are the burning brainstorms in the fireplace that gets retweeted during this time of year. <laughs> yeah. So that's what that was. Um, <laughs> we planned on doing a bunch of stuff. Uh, we were, I was planning on doing like an eight bit Nintendo tournament with the hacks. Uh, Ooh. To kind of and, and kind of break it down like the world championship from thirty years ago, um, <laughs> you know, want to play some pogs, of course. I think. Oh yeah. Uh, a lot of the Tusk are like Gen Con dudes from way back, so a lot of them like showing up and playing different events. So I think there's a big plan to play like uh, Jihad and uh, maybe some riffs. Nice. But it's it's just awesome, man. Uh, you know, we, we still have to get together and play Star Trek TCG. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I definitely have a box of that. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I just love playing all that stuff. You know, it, it's very much like you were saying. Like, it's really, for us, Magic has become, like, a very secondary part mm -hmm. of this relationship we all have. I, um, And that's why Werby has been so awesome. You know, I think... Um, I think Werby has really kept us together in a way that we weren't expecting yes. uh, or, or maybe not necessarily recognizing how important it was for us to see each other. You know, we, you know, all of us, we see each other a few times a year, you know, four or five times a year, mm -hmm. or whatever it is, every few months, you know, and COVID wiped that out. And to be able to just log on on a Friday night where we've done that, where we've just, you know, we're watching a movie together, or streaming together or, just being able to talk what's going on uh, has been really awesome and kept us all together. Uh, I was afraid um, maybe old school was going to kind of hit an apex kind of and interest at some point in 2020 um, a couple years ago and the direction it was going. And I think COVID yes. kind of like kind of brought us all closer Fully together agree. Fully agree. while making the magic part less important. And I think that's what's gonna that that's what's gonna keep like the community together. I really think. Yeah, because I mean, at this point, we've 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 made so many friends. I think I think the I think old school was this vehicle, and, and it's still great. It's still fun. Yeah, hundred percent. But I think that these friendships that we've made through this, you know, this little sub format, I I, I think these are going to continue for a very long time. Like, uh, podcasting. Like, I'm very happy that you've undertaken this. 
I listen to like old podcasts from people all the time. Um, Ben Perry's episode when he was on flipping orbs a few years ago. I just, I have to listen to that every three, four months. It's just like, it's such a, he, he might not have realized that at the time, but I really feel like it's a blueprint for like what the, you know, what the, our community is all about. Um, whether he knows that or he's definitely always, he, he's definitely at the forefront to be yes. perfectly honest. He's usually, you know, the first one to kind of do something and he's kind of the trendsetter. Hate to say that, but I, I, I think he, he makes a point in saying in his, in his, uh, interview back then was that he was saying that like, uh, if you're not enjoying the game, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. And I can see that. I can see that where a lot of us, we get so wrapped up in playing the game sometimes that we end up having a really bad time, you know, whether, no matter what format that is. Right. And, uh, so we, by concentrating on the things that are more important or that are outside of the game or things and things that we can control a little better, um, on an individual basis has made it mm-hmm. better for everyone. Right. Like I look forward to and think now about charities. Like when I hear a charity and, uh, I see it and I go, oh, yeah. you know, that would be a cool charity to hook up. Um, we've been joking a lot about Scott Staff <laughs> from Creed has his own <laughs> has oh his God. own charity, you know, with arms wide open. <laughs> and we've been talking about doing, like, maybe getting something together for that. Just having our own old school event, listen to, uh, you know, Creed's greatest hits for six hours, play magic and just, you know, and donate all the money to the Arms Wide Open Foundation. How about that one? How about that one for the event at the strip mine? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's a little under wraps right now, but I I I can talk about it. Um, there is a discussion right now within the guys, and I'm reaching out. There is an act. One of the few working strip mines in the United States is in Far North Georgia, <laughs> very close to the North Carolina border. Um, and the thing about the so I just want to point out that the hacks are in the Carolinas, the tusks are in Georgia, yeah. and there's a strip mine in between them. Yeah, there's a literal strip mine. <laughs> and uh, as all good strip mine enthusiasts know, the strip mine that's – what's in the picture on strip mine and what a strip mine is is actually like kind of two different things. Yep. They're both like mountaintop removal kind of mines. Mm-hmm. But there's an actual working marble quarry mine that looks like a strip mine in the picture on the card in North Georgia. And once a year in the fall, this tiny little town with this working strip mine with its own museum holds its own strip mine festival with like a parade and barbecues and tours of the strip mine. And if there's anything Tusks and Hacks like more than playing Magic and playing strip mine... It's barbecue and like small country time fairs in the southeast, and October is like the only time of year where we can go outside here. So, the idea of like being able to get that all together, helping out a charity, maybe like I'm sure there's a union or the museum that there would love to have. Yes, twenty five dudes come out and drink and support the strip mine. You know, I'm uh, I, I'm there. I'm there. And, I, and how how on flavor would that be? Like how, you know, <laughs> dude, 
oh, I can't wait to rub it in the New England dude's faces. You know, it's like, oh, enjoy your lobster rolls. We are actually at a dudes. strip mall. I love, I, I love the little friendly rivalry that we have with the four strip and one strip. And and everyone's such a good so that, sport about it. I, I, I really yeah. like it. Yeah, it's really... <laughs> so, George, we're running a little bit long. It's a little bit longer than I promised that I would keep you. Uh, so let's see. Uh, we did some stories and everything. Before we kind of talk about context and stuff, uh, is there anything else that you want to mention about the the hacks or or, or anything in general? Yeah, if you have any interest, um, please uh, reach out to Hacks MTG um, on Twitter. Um, that's the Hack Fathers like personal site, but he kind of uses it as the club page. Um, don't be afraid of his uh, rough outer ex- exterior. He's actually a very nice guy who likes, he just loves seeing Delvers being flipped. And, you know, he likes drawing three cards and putting two back. Just, just please message him. Ask him what the best three drop planeswalkers are. <laughs> um, what the best way to sequence, uh, maybe counterspell, force of will, force of negation, red elemental blasts. Mm-hmm. He, would, he would love yeah. to tell you the theory behind that. Actually, he would love to talk about the differences between ponder and preordain. He can talk all day about that. Oh, man. Yeah, definitely. For <laughs> sure. Um, we also, I am the webmaster of hacksmtg.com. You have to check out this website. It is great. And not just because there's, there's I have a page on it, but it is a fantastic retro style uh, webpage. Um, I took a web design class in about 1998. And that's where my education and web planning stopped. So when we got together and decided that we wanted to have a club webpage, I was the person with the most experience. So when I was taking Windows 98 or and learning HTML, I took all that experience and put it straight into our website and everybody I think loves it. it. Yeah, you used to have like uh, the visit counter and then you have like, yeah, you have the embedded like, like, like MIDI music and stuff, right? oh yeah the wallpaper everything yeah it's just like people don't you know like kids don't understand like this whole idea about net decking net decking was like literally you would in 1996 or 1995 you'd go on aol and keyword search magic decks and you'd be like oh 60 cards when did you have to have 60 cards this is new to me or lands? I thought it was just 20, 20, 20. You didn't have to actually count them out, you know? So, I didn't know what a sideboard was. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> yeah, your I'm sideboard... Like, why would you do that? Your sideboard is literally all the cards you brought with you. <laughs> I seriously, like, for the longest time, never had a sideboard. No idea what it was. I'm like, just make your main deck better. Like, I don't get it. It's it's good for the format. I'm like, sweet, what's a format? <laughs> well, all right. Yeah, so if anyone oh, wants no, no. to reach out, people are welcome to reach out to any awesome. one of us. And then your Twitter account, which uh, you and me, we have uh, a lot of fun on Twitter. we got some uh, shithousery going on, right? Yep, I'm at uh, Round Corners 40. Um, I was really into Alpha 40 before it was taken over by, like, rich Europeans and dentists and lawyers and stuff uh, that were, like, so I don't play that as much as I used to, but I would like to <laughs> if I can afford it. 
Nice. Well, George, it was it was a pleasure talking to you, learning more about you, and then more about the hacks. So, um, hey, thank you very much for, for coming on and doing this. Yeah, thank you, Mark. All right, take care, everybody. All right, so let me know when you're ready to talk about let's, strip mines. Let's talk about strip mines, dude. So let me talk to you about why one strip mine actually might be the best format. And I say that playing a the win in the winter derby, Swedish event, no mana burn, not sure what that's about. Also, one strip mine. Again, doesn't make sense, but let's talk about it. So what I've noticed so far is that the games are more interactive because you're not playing like a two-color deck that's running four strip mines or a monocolor deck running four strips. You get these weird interactive games where you're playing four-color, 22 restricted cards, best of the format, interactive games. You might get mind twisted. Who knows? Uh, and I also think that it's interesting, like the the small amount of mana sources you need, right? So like in a normal four-strip game, we're playing 30, 30 plus mana sources, depending on what what your deck's trying to do. And when I play Swedish, I'm literally I am playing a three color deck, and I am running 12, 12 duels and one of each basic. That is it. That doesn't even make sense, but that's what you can do in Swedish with one with one strip mine. It just allows you to play all the colors you want to play. And then I mean, a lot of people talk about factories. And how like oppressive they are in Swedish, but I mean, there's answers, right? So, and almost every color has one. You got shatter in red. You got disenchant in white. You got bolt also in red. You got swords in white. You have uh, villagers in green. You have crumble in green. Uh, black probably has some answer. I'm not aware of like I don't know paralyze or something like that. And and it's the same thing for library, right? So library and factories kind of get surfaced into each other. Uh, people are like, oh, you know, if you can't answer the turn one library, then the game is pretty much over. And I, again, I don't agree with that. I mean, there's Ice Storm in green. There's Red has Stone Rain. Black has Sinkhole. Uh, green has Desert Twister. White has Armageddon, which gets everybody's lands. I mean, every color in, I mean, every color has an answer to lands uh, in in the original form of Magic. And then last but not least, and I think this isn't brought up in Swedish as much as it's brought up in Atlantic, but in uh, Atlantic, you know, people will make the argument that shops is a better deck with strip mines in it. And that one way to nerf shops is to actually cut the strip mines because shops doesn't necessarily care about colored mana sources. It really just, it can use that color to strip mine. So it's really a dual benefit. So Mark, with those, with those points in mind, what, what do you think about this argument? All fair points. Uh, my counterpoint is four strips. Woo! All right, everybody. That concludes the first episode. And to close this episode out, I have some thoughts on Brainstorm from the Hack Father himself. Here at Hacks HQ, we always discuss the important things in life, like four strip mine and why Brainstorm should be banned. Because Jesus Christ, if you have to sit and watch someone brainstorm every turn and then do a fetch land and then ponder and then flash it back with their Dreadhorde Arcanist and then, you know, eventually you get to take your turn six minutes later. And people wonder why Legacy is a terrible format. Wait, 
Mark, was this the old school podcast? Oh, fuck. All right. I guess I'll just keep drinking.